the Joyful Noise Radio Hour. Greetings. Thank you for tuning in to the Joyful Noise Radio Hour. I'm your host, Carl Hofstetter. It is June 2021. The world is starting to open back up, and it feels weird. But probably not for the reasons that it should which is that the U.S. government has admitted that UFOs exist. But instead, everyone is weirded out by uh, social interaction. We now have to uh, confront the fact that we live in a society where social norms exist, and we have to shake hands and hug and decide to have personal contact. It's a weird conundrum that everyone seems to be uh, silently struggling with right now. I think this is just a weird reset that our society is going to have to endure. But hopefully we get comfortable with one another again. Anyway, we've got a bunch of great music for you tonight, and later I will be speaking with Jasmine from No Joy. We will talk about her unique musical upbringing in Montreal, her collaboration with Sonic Boom from Spaceman 3, and her thoughts on the band Red Hot Chili Peppers as it relates to Deerhoof. But first I have several new songs for you, starting with the band Ohm. This band released an album almost exactly one year ago called Fantasize Your Ghost, and it's one of the best albums that Joyful Noise has ever released. But unfortunately the album was released right as the shit was hitting the fan because of COVID-19. Had the band been able to tour on this album, I think much bigger sections of the world would be aware of them already. So check out the pseudo title track called Ghost from the album Fantasize Your Ghost. Father's eyes and your mother's hair 
That's the band Ohm, spelled O-H-M-M-E, and they are touring soon. I can't believe I'm saying those words. If you're anywhere in the Midwest or East Coast, look up their tour dates, because you absolutely must see this band live. Up next, I have a track from Soons. This song was just released, and it's called Witness Protection. It's from an album called The Witness, so I guess it's another pseudo-title track. I know that you've seen it too 
the blood of Chris and Chelton in a ping pong joint Where a soldier of fortune 500 wins points Where the fighting for a cause of what a symptom From the mouth of the horse An anonymous source says the gimbal The tic-tac Will be water on a mushrooms with a planet Earth flag It's too much information, I can't get an erection I'll stand here for two seconds to laugh at the election The body can't stop, the body can't stop Except people making babies on the world wide web Just give a fuck fatigue track from Soons, which was immediately spliced with a sneak peek of the new song from Tropical Fuckstorm, which I threw in because things were getting a little too highbrow for a moment. It is called Give a Fuck Fatigue, which I think is a message we can all relate to right now. Next up, I'd like to play you a brand new artist who has just joined the Joyful Noise family. His name is Cedric Noel. Cedric has spent the last decade creating soul-stirring music, which is informed by his very unique worldview. Cedric was born in Niger and had his upbringing in Brazil and other countries. He is currently based in Montreal, along with his label mates Soons and No Joy. He's a truly incredible artist, and we are really excited to be releasing his new album called Hang Time. But in honor of Juneteenth, Cedric has decided to surprise release one new song on his Bandcamp page called Nighttime Skin. This is a revised version of a song that's been released already, but it is included in the new album. If you go to his Bandcamp page, you can download it for any amount that you choose, and 100% of the donations benefit the Nye Center for the Arts. Check out the song Nighttime Skin, after which I will be talking with another Montreal native, Jasmine from No Joy. Pick at my worth and- 
work? Does it work? Oh, hi. Yeah. I, have to, I have to use a mic like this. <laughs> <Stand> <laughs> like a television <laughs> announcer. Like Welcome your, uh, to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Price is right and shit. <laughs> How's it going? Okay. I'm, I'm uh, fully vaxxed at this point. Well, congrats. Thanks. I mean, I was so excited. It's a weird thing to be congratulated about. <laughs> I was so excited. Like, I was just. Like, I was excited too, actually. It's like, it was it weird feels, too because. Like, oh, thank God. I don't have to fucking worry about this anymore. <laughs> I know. The spot I got my vaccine at was um, in our neighborhood in the city, and it was at, uh, you know, a big auditorium of a school. And the neighborhood I live in is like predominantly artists, a lot of young people. And it was just also strange to be like back in a room full of people yeah. my age or a little younger where like I didn't know anybody. <laughs> it was like, are we all I feel like I was in line for like a festival. Like, what are we mm -hmm. doing here? And like, oh, we're all getting getting vaxxed. Um, but I was so excited. And I told and it hurt, though. I told the guy like, ow. And he was like, hey, this is the needle we use for babies. So like, <laughs> can't help you. Fuck, okay. Uh, did you get the the Pfizer or the? I did Moderna? I got the Pfizer? Yeah. Isn't um, that the one that has the Bill Gates microchip? I hope so. Yeah. I've always been more of a. I really want to be like an Android or. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I mean, they're tracking me anyway. Yeah, I <laughs> they've got my track me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's fine. The money's worth. Yeah. I realize that, like, I don't know very much about your musical upbringing uh i've been a fan of yours for you know a long while but i don't think we've ever talked about just the the early records that affected you as a child or like when you know when you knew that you had to do music <laughs> <laughs> yeah are there um, any of those records that you can point to i guess the i I mean, I always, music was always around, like in our household growing up, it was everywhere all the time. My parents were like big record collectors and had really good taste in music. So they were always playing music and nice. having, yeah, and having like just equipment around too. Like they would just buy like, you know, is it here? No, it's not here. But like a guitar or like a drum set or like. So your parents a, you are know, musicians too? They're not, which oh. is weird. <laughs> they would just buy them because. Oh. Just to have, like, you know, junky stuff they would find at a flea market or something, like a little guitar that they don't mind if we're just, like, you know, dinging it up or, like, treating it badly so that the mm -hmm. kids would just jam in the basement making noise. Um, but, yeah, none of them have a musical background, but they're all music fans. Um, and, yeah, we were just, I would just always be playing on stuff, but not really... I don't have any formal training or anything like that. It's all just from ear or like sure. trying stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I think I, that's the case with like most musicians who are really uh, carving their own path, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I always thought it was interesting. Like often I've thought about it, like, oh, I should go take singing lessons. I should go take guitar lessons. But then I, it's that thing where it's like, ooh, but what if then I know too much? And then I don't try the like stupid things that I'm trying yeah. now because I don't know that you're not supposed to do that. You. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which like ultimately, no, it would probably just mean like I would know how to sing live better, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there was too many records that like 
caused me to What's the play? first record you you remember just uh getting obsessed with? Like for me, I like I can remember like uh Michael Jackson Thriller when I was like a really tiny kid. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, like I was too young to understand music really, but I was like wow, like that yeah. is something special, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I also, I remember, well, I don't remember, but I have pictures where I was like dancing to Michael Jackson and pretending to sing. Um, and like, you know, pop stuff that was on the radio, like Debbie Gibson and Paul mm -hmm. Abdul, I probably was into, but I do remember like the world shook when Live Through This Hole came out because oh, yeah? I was like old enough to get it kind like kind of i must have been like 10 maybe or 12 or something yeah and i was already playing guitar but like badly so i could i could wear the guitar and like put on my little dress and like take pictures <laughs> like yeah i'm angsty by my clips and like then that led me to um that's where like i would start i think i started getting snobby and like discover sonic youth and bikini kill and like mm -hmm. went a little bit that direction so I think seeing Hole and Melissa Oftemar is from Montreal. So when she started playing bass, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, oh, my God, like she's like me. She's from <laughs> here. <laughs> I could be that, too. Um, so yeah. that that was pretty inspiring, I think. That's and cool. I definitely um, tried to play those songs. That's so interesting that you brought that up because like, I, I hadn't thought about that record in like a decade. And for some reason, like two days ago, I was like, I want to listen to that yeah this record and um and i listened to it and it was weird like i don't i don't know like uh having not heard an album for for that long like I mean, it's probably been 20 years i don't know mm -hmm. but uh i was super into it too when i was you know in middle school <laughs> yeah when it came out it's it's cool that like those kind of records or siamese dream or, like mm -hmm. these were like big rock records right <laughs> that like were huge yeah, like just yeah. huge but they're, but they're still pretty, pretty adventurous yeah they're pretty like they take some chances where you're like wow okay a label like decided that yeah. was okay to be on the sing the lead single like all right, right, right. <laughs> um so yeah i think that you know and that whole era too is very visual too like i, I would watch, oh, totally. watch music a lot so i would always t record the videos that i wanted to see um and just watch them on a loop over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, you know, just thinking about like the video for today by Smashing Pumpkins and mm -hmm. like James E. Haas and in a floral dress. I remember that like, doll parts video. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about it that like the visuals with the music, with it being, and, and I often talk about this like glory day era from like 95 to 99 where labels, or management but probably labels like invested in videos but like a lot of money yeah. <laughs> and like people were buying music still so you had these like crazy video directors making these really experimental or you know mm -hmm. highbrow films for for music videos um that were like like even even stuff you know everything from like Aphex Twin videos, right? Jay Z videos. You're just like, wow! Like they invested. Right. This is like 
Yeah. The visuals and, and the music. Crazy and, on that show. Yeah. And uh, um, but but the the downside of that whole era, as far as I can tell, I was never a part of that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, it, it it was like like the video was like the one promotional tool that they had for the record, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, if MTV didn't like the video or whatever, then the record would just tank. Yeah. And, and so there were a shitload of bands that like spent a fuckload of money on these videos. And then, you know, MTV just didn't play it or didn't or rejected it or whatever. And, uh, and then the, the bands are stuck with all that. Debt. Yeah. There's a, that, that is a downside to it for it, sure. So, you just named several prominent um, female fronted bands, you know, like Sonic Youth and Bikini Kill and, and Hole. Like listening to, to female artists, like a really important thing for you at that stage? I think so. I mean, I think I didn't really realize it maybe, but mm -hmm. there was something about that era where it was kind of Lilith fairy, like not a fairy from Lilith fair, but you know what I mean? Like it was kind of like mild and I, I liked music that was a bit more aggressive and sure. um, it was, there wasn't that many, you'd be like, Oh, there's like a woman in white zombie. Like <laughs> it would be hard to like find the, the women in those, in the like more exper experimental projects. So when there was like riot girl stuff that made it to the mainstream, cause again, I was like, you know, I'm like 12 buying circus magazine or something trying to like see who's there. Um, yeah. I think that was just, you know, you could relate to somebody that was not necessarily like a girly girl, but also a girly girl, but in a different way. So I don't think it was like conscious, but I think it was. Yeah. But it still impacted yeah. you more to, to be able to see somebody that you could sort of envision yourself as or something. Yeah. And yeah. And I think now, like looking back at that and realizing that it was like, you know, seeing somebody like Gwen Stefani and being like, cool. All right. <laughs> like, she's got cool style, like yeah. recognizing and seeing someone that you can relate to is so important. And then you when you acknowledge that, like you had that, you can see how so many people didn't have that <laughs> and don't have that yeah. and how important it is to just have more kind of diversity in music genres so that yeah. there's more like it, like stimulates more art yeah exactly exactly because you really you know as as weird as it might be to look back on it it's like at 11 years old just seeing melissa Oftemar on stage made me go like oh i could do it too she's from here and she's playing in hole cool okay and yep. and you, you kind of like as a kid that's what you that's how your brain works i guess yeah, and I, I think that's like a luxury that men and white men in particular have sort of taken for granted, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like white men uh, have the luxury of sort of being able to envision themselves in any scenario, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a realization that I came to a few years ago, like looking at our roster, we were like, like uh, there's way too many dudes you know male to female ratio is really off here and, yeah and at first i was kind of of the mind of like well who cares i'm not signing somebody based on whether they're male or female like i'm signing them based on the music purely you know mm -hmm. but cj void actually like 
talked to me about this and showed me exactly what you're saying. You know, the reason that you don't get as many good female demos is because there aren't enough female bands out there inspiring little girls to create something new and amazing. It starts with us and we should be proactive about it, you know, about like projecting diverse voices, you know? Yeah. Because in general, culturally, those voices need to be amplified more. For sure. For sure. And that's, that's how it starts. You know, yeah. like, and also, you know, you take p other people take other labels and other bookers and promoters, they'll, they'll take cues from it too. And if they see their peers doing it, then they'll, then they'll do it. And then hopefully yeah. it's this snowball where it's just becomes, you know, right. Second nature to just prioritize more diversity. Speaking of like your, uh, nostalgic interests you've been pretty like honest about your admiration for new metal <laughs> which i think <laughs> is really funny and yeah. and something that like I, I don't know like i i i grew up with new metal a little bit um you know i i loved that first corn record when i was in oh, middle yeah. school you know oh, yeah um and I remember, you know, when I was probably 13 or something, going to see the Family Values Tour with Corn <laughs> and Limp Biscuit and oh, yeah. Orgy and Rammstein, you know, <laughs> like an Incubus. Stacked. Stacked bill. Stacked. Um, but like, I think for, for me and probably most people, it's like, um, I look back on those bands and I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's awful. Like, why? Like, it seems like just such a weird, like, um, alternate reality of of music. And I guess I'm just curious why you uh, or how you find value in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it also it, it kind of stems back to like this era I'm sort of speaking of, of like late 90s when People still bought records. The music industry existed. Mm. There was radio. There was touring. There was MTV. And so labels like allowed experimentation to happen. Um, in some cases, you know, you, they created artists like Bjork or Beck, um, who, mm -hmm. you know, they go on to have these huge careers. And then in other cases, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by like, okay, the A&R epic met Rage Against the Machine and was like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> like, really? Like, just do whatever you want. Same thing with Corn. I feel like those records were in the early stages. I think the intentions behind those records were experimental. And I think they were trying mm -hmm. to create a new sound and to create something that was pushing boundaries. I think once it got like co-opted by some Woodstock 99 culture, <laughs> Yeah, when did um, it turn? Because I because I agree with you. Uh, like I I've listened to back back to that um, that first corn record a couple years ago, and I was like, I can still enjoy this, you yeah. know. And a lot of it is nostalgia, you know. I I don't I can't be totally unbiased. Like I don't know if I would like it if I heard it for mm -hmm. the first time today, you know. Yeah. But that whole like subsection of music that whole like genre of blending 
you know, rap and rock, I guess, for to to simplify it. It seemed like it it got really fucking cheesy really quick, you know? Yeah. And, and like overnight, everyone was just like, oh, this shit's fucking terrible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, when do you think that changed, you know? I think I like to me when I think of corn or I think of Deftones, I think of like scrappy skateboarder uh, growing up in like rougher neighborhoods, um, part of like metal communities scene of music. And I think there were there was like some industry plants. I think there's those bands did well on their own merit because they created like a movement within their own scenes and then like with any genre i think there was so what are the industry plants like limp biscuit yeah i think like limp biscuit probably like lincoln park 100 percent, maybe pod like these things yeah. that were like had radio hits right away was the christian version though yeah that's true that's true i think a they were actually <laughs> like legitimately around it doesn't mean that they're good or but or, i think they were around before i think they were legitimately right they were probably escalated though or like yeah actually yeah. yeah probably I mean, I, I think of like um, that first Evanescence single where there's just a guy rapping on it, but like he's not in Evanescence and like, where did he come from? They just threw a guy rapping in it to be like, rap oh, metal, go. Oh man, that that was maybe the emergence of Evanescence was when they jumped the shark or whatever, you know? And, it's and like, don't you think- like, I remember when that came out, I was like, oh God, <laughs> it was just like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's awful. And I also think like, what if they had launched Evanescence with Amy Lee singing, like just her, no rapping on it, just mm -hmm. like a metal band with a girl singer. Right. That, that could have aged that, very well. That could have yeah. aged really well. And been but like what was was the purpose of putting the rapper there because it had to like fit into rap metal yeah. that was popular and like no because they never had another song like that That's what <laughs> to I my knowledge yeah. so i don't know i think there's like when you when things got a little bit commodified for like suburban consumption maybe or mm -hmm. like the hot topics is when i also signed off like i didn't i wasn't on forever um, mm -hmm. but I think like an album, like white pony for me is so important because, you know, just by reading the, like the myth behind the recording process and the compositions of the record, like they were not trying to make a rap metal record. They mm -hmm. were not. And th the timing just made it be that. And the label just pushed it to be that. And my fascination with the Deftones is just because for 20 years, they've been trying to push themselves away from that label um, that was never deserved in the first place, really. Right. Uh, yeah. It was just kind of like bad timing for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bad timing. Otherwise, you know, could they could that have been like a metal Pink Floyd record? Like it could have been right. so many things, but instead it was marketed like Eminem, Limp Biz. I mean, I think mm -hmm. they all had records that same year. Um so that's that's what was always fascinating to me and like you know also hearing about the influences behind those artists where like what influenced them um corn often influences the references like different jazz musicians as influence and really? deftones is like you know predominantly shoegaze or like uh new wave and so hearing what they thought they thought they were creating mm -hmm. and then hearing what they did create, I find super, super fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Right. And much of the like 
cringeworthy aspects of it might be rooted in just how it was marketed. For sure. I think in my head, when that, when all that shit was becoming laughable, um, in my head, I was sort of lumping rage against the machine in with the rest of those, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I think they did something really smart by like taking a fucking decade long break, you know? Yeah. Cause had they decided to try to continue to put out records, I don't think you, people would see it the same way. You know, I think now people are able to see Rage Against the Machine as a, as a different type of thing and not, not compare them to Limp Biscuit. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time it was, it was part of the same movement. Yeah. But completely. But it, it, not deservingly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it's yeah. a, I feel like it's a, a dirty word that's like lumped onto a lot of artists, but like really only deservingly on something like Limp Bizkit where it's yeah. like. Where it has you know. no value. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most embarrassing band that you actually like? Um. I'm not really embarrassed by much. I think I mean, there's a lot of bands that I like legitimately. And then if I mention it, it's like a reaction, like, haha, yeah, that's funny. It's like, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love like Lord. I like pop music a lot. I do too. You know, yeah. we released a Lord song. What? Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she covered one of our artists, like right when she was getting super huge, she covered Sunlux. Oh, wow. And, oh, uh, I think Jess told me that. Yeah. And then we, uh, I don't ex- remember exactly how it happened. I think that she just started covering his song, like playing stadiums and shit. And we wow. got wind of it. And then um, Ryan, the artist, like got in touch with her and did a, and like recorded a, a redone version of that song with her singing that we released. No way. That's crazy. I just, just uh, like last week, I had to figure out how much money we owe her. <laughs> I think she's good, but. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I totally, uh, it's it's one of those like qualifiers. Like would I like listen to it all the time? No. But like for pop music, it's great. It's great you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's like so much better than like any other fucking pop shit out there besides like Billie Eilish is like another thing in that vein, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like, I think that shit is they're both Lauren and Billie Eilish are sort of doing something in the pop world. That's still unique and inspiring to younger kids and simple, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like their music is fucking simple. Yeah. I love And that's, that's an interesting thing. Like with some pop, songs um there's a couple selena gomez songs i can think of that are this way where they're so simple that it's you can digest it when you hear it in the grocery store like the grandmas Mm. like it you know the young kids like it but like from a production point of view it's very fascinating too to just to hear like creative choices that are made on songs that they know are going to be huge yeah yeah Um, i think think there are some bold creative choices made yeah absolutely absolutely Um, you know, even like a, I really liked, um, what was the Justin Bieber record that came out maybe five years ago? Anyway, is that song? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, the Diplo and Skrillex and J Biebs combo trip triplet. 
It was great. I remember watching the New York Times thing where he, Skrillex is talking about how it's like they reversed a sound of like a dolphin sound to make like a vocal hook. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they did like a very similar thing on Loveless. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's like for a Justin Bieber song and those little Easter egg things I, I, I love. I mean, I listen to pop radio all the time just to kind of hear. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's just I don't going know how on? You do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't listen to that shit. It's like, it's weird. Like it feel. It's like it's like being. It's like drowning in sugar, you know. <laughs> like the. It's like being force fed spoonfuls of sugar, listening to I pop radio. I kind of like it because it gives me like. I'm always of the, my mindset is always like, to know what's good, you got to know what's bad. So I like to like listen oh. to it. And then yeah, once in a good. while, there's like something that comes through. And I'm like, it. oh, what's yeah. this? You're but, like, uh, you know, researching the enemy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just to hear like trends and hear like who's producing what and then who's writing yeah. what. How do I turn this on its head? Yeah. 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 So. I, I like to observe that stuff. I actually find modern rock radio way worse. Yeah. Um, Is there even modern rock? Like last time I was listening yeah. to modern rock radio, they're still playing shit from 20 years ago. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff that's like, they'll just play the same Stone Temple Violet song yeah. over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And then there's stuff and that rock. like counts. Yeah. That counts as rock, but it's not. You, you've got like Greta Van Fleet and then you have Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots. Um, that are like a lot of the songs they play are not i don't know what qualifies them as rock but they are probably played on the pop radio too so they're just it's some kind of strategy to just be on every mm -hmm. radio station um but i actually find that to be more cringy than the pop stuff yeah what do you think about the red hot chili peppers <laughs> because you covered the red hot yeah, chili peppers when you I came did. to our holiday party <laughs> Which was a, a funny choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always you know when we do the holiday covers, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I always lean towards the the winter theme yeah. and not necessarily yeah, totally. like a holiday. Um, chili peppers are interesting. <laughs> I was very into them when I was a child, and that was the one thing my mother ever censored for me was I got the blood sugar sex magic uh -huh. tape, and she yeah. returned it. And then, but like a year later, she apologized and she was like, I should never do that again. And she never did. <laughs> she let me buy any, any music, but I think that one. I could see that one. What was that song? Suck My Kiss? That yeah. Was there was a couple that were probably like, ooh. Um, I, you know, I'm a little on the fence about the Chili Peps. I've seen them yeah. live. When? Uh, Californication era. <laughs> So like kind of recent. Yeah. Um, I saw him more recent than that. Oh, oh, with Deerhoof? With Deerhoof, yeah. Yeah, okay. I went up to Chicago because um, Deerhoof was opening and it was, it was something. See, that's the thing with the Chili Peps is like, I'll see them pick something like Deerhoof or Warpaint to I open. Know. I mean, they, someone in the band, I think Flea. Flea, I think it's I, Flea. I think he knows good music. Yeah. At least. It doesn't mean I respect him or anything. But <laughs> um, with the Deerhoof thing, it was so, it was so weird. Because like Deerhoof, 
they were on this. They they got asked to open this tour for the Chili Peppers. Deerf did it the same way they always tour, where it's all four of them in a minivan with all their gear. They don't even have you know a trailer or anything. And these are arenas. Yeah, playing? these are arenas. Yeah, they they were playing at the United <laughs> Center in Chicago, where like the Chicago Bulls play and stuff. Wow. And um and <laughs> on the stage, they just and they're playing out of practice amps. You know, that's just what wow. they play with, you know, yeah. and so their their entire amp setup, they just had their amps stacked on top of each other right in the middle of the stage. And, wow. it, and the entire space was like about up to my waist, you know, like that's <laughs> that's probably fucking arena. And so good. <laughs> and I remember there just being a lot of confused people, you know, like, yeah, I I think that, you know, it probably changed like a few people's lives you know there were some kids mm-hmm. there with their parents or whatever and they got their minds blown you know yeah, yeah. But by and large it went straight over their head you know <laughs> and uh and i remember <laughs> i went there with fucking with tim kinsella and we just yeah we thought it was sort of funny and stuff and we you know were watching Dira from the side stage and stuff and then the chili peppers come on and and both Tim and I were like, yeah, like we'll stick around for like two songs and then leave or whatever. And uh, and I remember, I think it was like right when the second song started, Tim grabbed me and was like, he said, I feel like my brain cells and my sperm count are rapidly depleting. I need to leave. And he just walked out. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. It was that bad. It was that bad. Damn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought it was pretty bad, but I... I could, you know, withstand it a little better than him. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's, I think they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. I think they're pretty bad. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's funny. Cause it's like, there has to be some gateway, some gateway drug for, for people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not just going to hear deer hoof the first, the first time you're becoming interested in music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. to have some of these like, less than perfect fucking bands that that sort of lead you there for sure and i i that's that's where i'm like okay chili peps you're kind of cool like you right. know that deer at least gonna... at least they're at least they're booking good bands to open and stuff. yeah because that's true imagine being like a kid that loves chili peppers and then just seeing deer hoof and not having any context to, to know who or what they're about that yeah. might lead somebody onto like a, a path. They might have been going on a, like a Chili Peppers <laughs> musical path, and maybe they're going to take a different turn and go in a better direction. So, I've got some questions from our JNR one hundred people. Oh, uh, let's see. Patrick Long says, "I love the No Joy Sonic Boom collaboration EP. I would love to know more about the creative process that led to those songs, especially track one, Obsession." Yeah, that that's an interesting one because um, so I had been working on some tunes, um, trying to like write without using a guitar, just as like a personal challenge. And um, Pete Kimber, I don't know how I really don't remember how I met him. Like, I know we met at some point, but it was it might have been at Primavera or something. Hmm. But anyway, we had emails. In was, yeah Spain or italy or something portugal or i think portugal um so we had i had his email and i was just like you know what let's 
Let's see if he wants to like. So you just cold emailed him. I just cold emailed him. Um, and he was down and it was completely remote. Um, I didn't go to Portugal, sadly. Uh, and he, you know, I just gave him these kind of rough versions of songs and just said like, do whatever you want. Um, so Obsession was like a two minute song that I first wrote inspired by the song Obsession by Any Motion. Um, which is was the theme song to fashion television. And it was a song that I I really loved because it just like had the perfect beat for a runway show. And I, I work in fashion so often I'm, and we've had our songs in like a Gucci runway show. So I really found it interesting that like this song was like so perfect for a runway show. So I was using that the same kind of tempo and groove. What is that my, tempo? Do you know? I'd have to go back and check. Um, I Just feel care. like it's probably like 101 like or something standard, like that. Uh, standard it's like a, tempo for, a for fast walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I built the song that way. But, you know, once Pete got a hold of it, then it became like six and a half minutes. And it was like, okay, sick. <laughs> was so there the song- any back and forth or did you just like send him what you had and then he like adjusted it and sent it back to you and it was done? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. He would send ideas, but I really, I, I'm not, I wasn't in a position to be like, can you do this, this, this? I was like, <laughs> yeah. you do whatever you do. And like, you don't like something, take it out. I don't, there's yeah. no hurt feelings. So he kind of just went wild with stuff. I think yeah. that's cool. It's yeah. for, for an artist like him, I think um, it's best to, I don't know, have him off a leash, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's whenever, whenever I'm recording or, or um, writing, like that's, kind of the way I work that was with motherhood that was like where it sort of like reached a pinnacle where it was just everybody do anything you want (laughs) go crazy all at the same time so you know I'll I'll create the blueprint but then I'll hand it off to people who I trust and like just be like do whatever you want with it I think that's Um, a really good healthy way to operate yeah and it's fun too because the world you know yeah i mean my brain you know after 10 years of doing the same project like my brain is going to always kind of produce something that probably sounds the same i probably have the same creative instinct some way and the only way i can break that is like working with other people and learning from what other people do so yeah 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 we should play it here it is obsession
That was um, that was the first time we worked together. Was yeah, our, yeah, yeah. That uh, was our uh, our trial run. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun release. I um, I imagine you were you were a fan of uh, Spaceman Three as as I am as well. Yeah. And so it was. We kind of um, on the label side sort of approached that as a, just a fun one off to see if we got along. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if no joy and joyful noise, you know, we're good, yeah. good partners together. Uh, I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to work well. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions I had was like, so the proper record we did after that, Motherhood, which is an incredible record and uh, it seemed to connect with a lot of people and is still connecting with a lot of people, in my opinion. But it definitely came at a bad time in terms of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, your ability to tour, you know, curious to hear what your thoughts are on, um, like, how do you think the pandemic affected that record? Because so, so from my perspective overall at the label, like it's it's a mixed bag, you know, it, it feels like there are more people paying attention online to things and there are more people sort of willing to to uh, support artists through purchasing their shit directly, you know, either through like the label or through Bandcamp or whatever. And, um, but you know, at the same time, there's no touring and, um, that's fucking devastating. Yeah. Curious what your, what your takeaway has been. Yeah. Um, I think it was the right time for the record to come out. It, um, you know, I had I had worked on it for like five years in exploring how to create methods, instruments, everything. It was like studying even down to like styling and photo and everything. So it kind of felt like it had to come out at that time. And I think that it, you know, and I, I really do credit Jess at Joyful Noise a lot for like, for having the commitment to being like, let's just, let's do it. Like, let's try. Um, because I think as we were announcing, everyone was canceling <laughs> or pushing back their albums. Yeah. Um, so I do think it gave us we a little bit of a call. Like, like we, we had enough advanced notice that where we could basically make the decision of like, yeah. do we release this on schedule or do we push it back? Yeah. Because of the pandemic and yeah. decided to, to keep it on schedule. And, and you yeah. think that, that was the, the right move? Yeah. I think it was the move because... A, I think there's like some bottlenecking happening, not only with like vinyl yeah. production, but you know, um, touring. Well, my and... fucking nightmare. <laughs> oh, Anyone listening that doesn't know, vinyl turn times, like when you when you submit a new record to be manufactured, it used to take eight weeks for us, and overnight that went to between six and nine months. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It's insane yeah i think i think we sticking to the plan like gave us for one it gave us like a captive audience because unfortunately like when we announced it i in montreal anyway we were still on full lockdown like you couldn't go out of your house so that announcement day i was just at my computer all day yeah. <laughs> and that's where i was for like you know a lot a lot right. of that time for a lot of people uh, were. yeah and i think that interestingly it it like a lot of times when you put out a record, then there's like, oh, okay, are you touring? Oh, okay, how many numbers are you doing? Oh, what rooms are you playing? Oh, how, how is this? How is that? But because everything was like 
uncertain. It was just like, here's my record. You can't right. take all these other yeah. things into consideration about it. It's just the record. It's interesting. It 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 kind of um, it it forced people to to judge it based on the music itself rather than the the place that it occupied in the economy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like the buzz or the hype or the, right. you know, we, we were fortunate to get a lot of great press, partially probably because a lot of people dropped their records. So there was space for us. But I think not following it up with like tour dates immediately or um, yeah, just these other things that like kind of in your mind now are synonymous with like oh that's a buzzy record or oh that's this record or oh they're gonna be playing big rooms so like they think this record's gonna blow up or i don't know we just could threw everything else on its head yeah Yeah. so there was nothing you couldn't there was nothing expected so it's just here it is and i think because that it was just that um people connected to it because there was a nothing else to do (laughs) um (laughs) but it wasn't something where there was like enormous baggage that came along with it. It was just like right. a, a record and that's it. So one of the things about your music that I, I think is your strength and also the, the challenge is, is that it's not easily definable. This especially comes into play in the streaming world where Spotify has this fucking algorithm that is fucking stupid you know and if the algorithm can't like put you in one of these genre categories then it's it's really hard to get traction in that world you know and we've seen this with a few other artists too Mm -hmm. who are who are like like really hard to define who are who are you know doing shit that is really connecting with people but it's not easily described as whatever fucking indie rock fucking hip-hop or, yeah or, or you know or even like any easily defined as any sort of subgenre of anything you know like the fact that you're you're sort of like jumping around to all these different um musical histories makes it tough to work within that streaming atmosphere yeah and um I guess I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know what my question is. I find that frustrating. Do you? Yeah. (laughs) I think it's frustrating, but I also find it very flattering um, because it means that like, I'm not doing something that everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, You're you're like literally (laughs) breaking the algorithm. I I know we really did. (laughs) Um, I don't, I, I find it flattering. I also think that, at this stage after putting out this much music and like, you know, the, this back to back on joyful noise, especially too, like Sonic boom and then motherhood, which are just like sonically. So all over the place, I hope that for listeners, they're just like in for it now. Like you could do my next thing could be anything and it's going to be, you know, and of course there's been some people that are like, where are all the reverb guitars and the reverb (laughs) guitars are still there. (laughs) That's the thing I try and I try and answer since I'm on social. It's like, they're still there. I'm just not going to write the same song again because I already did. Or I'm not going to try and copy Lush because Lush are already Lush. Why would I copy them? Um, yeah. So for me, I, I it kind of is almost encouraging, but I think like maybe I'm the type of person that when faced with any kind of like 
challenge. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now and I had told Jess, I was like, you know, if we don't get, <laughs> if we don't get any, you know, streaming on can my daughter see me from heaven, I'm going to make the most inaccessible record next time. Like I'm giving something that's like a little bit of an olive branch, but if there's nothing here, then I'm just going full the other way. Um, so. And, and I bet that that's the one that they'll. Uh, <laughs> I know. That yeah. they'll adopt. Exactly. Motherhood had such a diverse array of sounds within that one album and it obviously was like super different than the collaboration with sonic boom maybe we listen to four now yeah you want to introduce that yeah that song yeah this one is like i i don't know how to describe it's just like one of the songs i had this feeling one other time or maybe a couple other times whereas i've been in the studio and we're recording something and it's so insane that i'm just like like we can't not do it, but like, this is, this is like a career ending or <laughs> like, this is not, there's no middle. You're not like, Oh, I kind of uh, like I that song. It. You're either like, I love this song or I fucking hate that song, but there's no yeah. middle. Um, and this was one of those times where it was like, Ooh, well, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that you said that. <laughs> that's, that's a good place to be artistically. I think, yeah. you know, even if you fail, who cares? Like yeah. it's not, Better to have tried and failed. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's hear cool. four from Motherhood.
Yeah. Wild. <laughs> well, anybody listening can see um, how those songs are very different from one another. <laughs> For you, like, like was the artistic sort of reach in the sort of blast beat aspect of it? Like that was the part where you were like, were you, this is either going to be a career maker, or career ender. <laughs> Actually, no, it was the, the, the song started like there's a piano line in the song. That's, that was the original demo was like that piano part. Mm-hmm. And then we added, um, we, we had like George and I were writing and we were doing like for motherhood. A lot of the songs did start out kind of like chugga chugga rock. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I just remember like I was in LA writing with George and then one day he was just like added the baby and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and like I added the bird and then we just added and added and added and like I don't really remember, but I remember just once we put everything together, it being like, uh, <laughs> it works, but it doesn't. It, you know, that middle works, section. It's very weird. It's a very weird combination. Of it's a very weird a lot of things. And yeah, but it works. It doesn't sound <laughs> unnatural, you know? And it, I think like those two kind of styles, like the rocking, uh, you know, kind of sludgy intro and outro and like the middle sort of breakbeat. Those were two things, like two styles that were on motherhood a lot. It's just like the, the, now they're all in one song. <laughs> they're all like, yeah, in in three minutes. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, for that record, for that, yeah, record. it's like it's 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 a bite sized portion of of what you get on that record. Yeah, yeah, I I love a song that you listen to and then hear it once and you're just like, what just happened? And you have to listen to it again, and then you have to listen to it again and again and again and those are those are my favorite kind of songs so we were definitely trying to create that with a lot of these songs that's yeah. very cool all right i got another question from patrick long who asks what is the musical instrument that you lost sold or otherwise got rid of that you wish you still had oh i'll be honest with you <laughs> i'm kind of a gear hoarder <laughs> So I rarely get rid of anything. Um, I usually hang on to most things because I'm like, maybe someday I'll use that. <laughs> but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of guitar pedals that I'm like, I lent to friends or I left out of jam space and then I don't remember where they went. And <laughs> mm-hmm. there's there's some of those. Um, but I've been using the same guitar for all of No Joy. So um, that's like my tried and true that i i stick with that's cool yeah i don't think that any piece of gear there's not one that got away that got away i don't think so good i don't think so i mean i this keytar that i've talked about before that i actually love i i had your parents bought you yeah i got it as a kid and then i had lent it to a friend that was recording a record in new york in like the early 2000s and somebody broke into their studio, stole it. There were some very distinguished marks on this guitar <laughs> after since I had had it already for like you know 15, 20 years. That person, the person that stole it, put it on eBay. I had to buy it back. Oh I my bought God. my own guitar back. So I have it now. But I, that one got away, yeah. but I got it back. That's um, again, that's a good story. That's you know, we we used it got away and then it came back (laughs) it got away came back we used it on motherhood a little bit um 
the the studio we were recording at was uh they're great they had like such nice gear chris walla from death cab was there and he had this putney that the sugar cubes used um so it's a beautiful electronic instrument and um we were plugging my like shitty janky guitar into this golden instrument being like, make it a sound. It makes a sound. <laughs> um, so the guitar has been around. And so I guess that one got away, but I got it back. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you got it back. Yeah. Gene Mullet asks, what is the worst show you've ever been a part of? Oh, um, like I can think of shows where, where I was particularly bad. Like I played very badly or like, what about like shows where it's just like it wasn't about your bad performance or whatever it was just like a fucking nightmare scenario Ooh, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot and like have you ever been thrown up on at a show thrown up on no i did like on one tour we were watching a lot of we we're watching like hate breed videos from like 93 and like getting really jacked and being like, wow, yeah, fuck, that's yeah. A, that's a thing I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> so we were like pretty pumped. It was like middle of like a very long tour where you're just like trying to get by. I'm sure maybe people listening, maybe we're at the show because it was quite a big show. We were opening, but it was quite a big show. Um, you're opening for who? If I say now, it's really going to give it away as to the show. But anyway, we're, okay. opening, for, we're opening for dive at, uh, <laughs> okay great american musical no uh i can't remember we're opening at some beautiful theater anyway there's a there's a guy in the crowd that is just heckling us like heckling 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 but also being like quite uncomfortable making the the girls around him quite uncomfortable um and we were just watching all these hardcore like you know bootleg vhs videos that we just like went <laughs> just like went haywire so our drummer garland like jumped off the stage to attack or attack or like get get the guy escorted out and i didn't know what else to do but i was drinking red wine on stage so i just like threw my wine glass and hit the wrong person it hit a kid in a minion's hat i remember and just being like oh the minion <laughs> i hit the minion and then like the guy got escorted out, but we were just like so jacked on watching hardcore videos that the minute someone was like, you want to fight? We're like, yeah. In <laughs> um, like a beautiful hall, like a beautiful night that should have been just like chill. And it was not chill at all. But, you know, we've we've definitely played. I've played some absolutely terrible shows. But the thing about touring is like you you end up playing hundreds of shows a year. And there's a couple that were so bad that then eventually you laugh at them and you're like, wow, that was really stupid. So I'm laughing now. And I apologize to Minion Hat or anybody that got red wine sprayed on them that like, we should have just told the guy to shut up, but we just jumped off the stage instead. <laughs> Can't blame No Joy for that Minion Hat uh, guy. Oh, gosh. Uh, they were they were jacked on uh, hardcore videos. Yeah. Minion Hat guy, if you're out there. Sorry. Let us know. We'll give you a free record or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, there's been other shows I remember that um, that suck where just typical like jet lag. Like I think some of the worst shows we played were ones where we like flew in being like, we don't need a day. We'll just use the back sure. line. No problem. Yeah. There's like one show in Czech Republic. I really remember um, like all of us playing at different tempos and like knowing we were all playing different things <laughs> for like 30 minutes. But just being cool with it. Just like, I guess that's it. And like, I, 
I don't know what it sounded like to other people, but on stage it sounded bad. So I was like, this probably sounds very bad in the room. <laughs> was it a feeling between between the band where where you were like, yeah, this is all off, but it but it's okay. It feels right. Yeah. Or yeah. Was it, it's or were you like frustrated and annoyed by the whole thing? That I think I was too tired to like know what to do on that day. But there's been other days. <laughs> like, like, we can't fix this. Just yeah, like, it's like sorry, we're going. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's going um and then there's been shows more recently where i'm using like uh ableton and having ableton live kind of track stuff so we can stay more close to tempos but fuck-ups have still happened and tara and i if you know she's playing the show we'll just be like at least let's have some fun you know and and that's why i kind of think sometimes if you look like you're having fun people maybe don't they'll think you're having a great time i know i've definitely been at shows as an audience member and thought like yeah that was great they had a great time on stage and then talked to the band later and they were like that was awful like we we broke right. a string and like we broke a stick and like i didn't notice so right. those kind of things I remind that me that especially if you can see the like disappointment in real time with with that band like as they're playing like yeah. that, that ruins the vibe for, yeah. for, for the audience like and, and a lot of times that that shit doesn't matter or it it's even a good thing sometimes like yeah. I, I remember you know seeing bands you know break sticks and shit and i'm like that's fucking awesome yeah see that weird moment yeah it's that that isn't a part of <laughs> that that'll never happen again yeah yeah that, that stick break you know yeah. so um yeah, I think like staying positive while you're doing it is is crucial to uh, to everyone else enjoying it. You know. Yeah, and like no getting over the fucking hear the record exactly how it is. Exactly, I feel that way too. I feel that way, and and it's taken a while, but I'm happy they, to like they think they do. <laughs> they yeah, do. they don't go listen to the record if you want. But yeah. you know, when I think of some of the better shows I've seen, they're like including corn by the way who i saw like five years ago and this was yeah. the case where it's just like it doesn't sound like the record but it's something else and it's just like pretty wild and if that means breaking a string or somebody falls down or an amp stops working or something like right just roll with it just roll with it who cares um but it takes a while as like a performer to get over that where you yeah you're kind of you're you're conditioned to think that your show should be like super tight, but actually some of the looseness is like actually the gold stuff. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, I have a funny parallel to that. You mentioned um, my bloody Valentine earlier. So um, our band dumb numbers actually opened for them on the East coast and I, I was their tour manager again. <laughs> it's early days of the label where I, yeah. I would fill in in this role. But the reason I bring it up, every fucking night, Kevin Shields was playing this like, you know, undiscernible <laughs> wall of fucking noise to the audience. Okay. And it was cool. Like everyone was into it. But every night he would stop the show. He would stop a song, like mid song, and and yell at his guitar tech to fix one of his like 50 fucking amps that he had up there. Uh. 
And like nobody could tell, dude. Like nobody fucking noticed. It, it. What year was this about? Um, twenty thirteen. Okay. Fourteen. I don't know. Something like that. Because I feel like I saw them. Oh, we played Montreal. Or uh, that Did was you? one of the shows. Oh, okay. No way. I I wasn't at the Montreal show. I went to a Toronto show. But oh, but I, I think it was, I was that I was at that one too. But I remember I, I, I remember I, I, him uh, stopping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> that, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I he did that, that every like, goddamn night. And it was so infuriating because it was just like, dude, nobody nobody can hear the difference. That's and when I saw it happen, I remember thinking like, oh, sick, he's going to freak out. Like something's wrong. And like, he's a perfectionist and we're witnessing him freak out. And like that. Yeah. I, I mean, it interrupted the show, but like that's that was the thing I remember being like, whoa, this is so cool. Oh, you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it's it. Funny. I even like I found yeah. it very frustrating and I found it like being I found it to be a thing that like like sucks the energy out of the room. Hmm. Yeah. But, well, but you didn't have that experience. That's no. Cool. I mean, when you have that many guitar things on stage, like something is going to break. That's the other thing. Like I have a fraction of what they use on stage. And I know I'm well aware and prepared that every show, something yeah, is going to break. <laughs> but always be nice to your crew. Yes. Yeah, that's. There's a weird rock star mentality that like it happens with a with people of a certain age, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then when it doesn't, it's quite a, a nice surprise when yeah, you meet people. It's who, special. Yeah. Yeah, dude. yeah. Yeah. I just got a text from Dale Crover introducing Kramer to Jello Biafra. Whoa. <laughs> that's a weird trifecta. That's a, yeah. That's a three dudes that are old, like legendary dudes who are like no fucking ego, you know? Yeah. With, with, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know Jello at all, but with Kramer and Dale, it was like, like those dudes, they're the, they're what to aspire to. Yeah. yeah. Hope you hear that, Mister Shields. Take a lesson. <laughs> oh Jesus! I should probably edit that out. <laughs> yeah, please take me elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> listen to my record. <laughs> all right well let's listen to the last song of the evening dream rats from heaven yeah. the revised version of dream rats from the yeah. new ep what do you have to say about this one jazz this this one um when we when we did the original version or the motherhood version we were just like we gotta play this one live like drone like it's just like it was calling for like a certain kind of live version and we only got to play it live. Um, we tested it out in 2019 a little bit, but you know, like maybe five times we got to play it. And sometimes when you're on tour, you play a song so many times that after a while you're like, let's extend or let's you know, improvise this part. But because we never got to do that with, with that song or any of the songs on Motherhood, this one we were just like, okay, it's got to be long. We're going to drag this one out, make it slow. And Tara just recorded her guitar part like, all in one take she said she was like possessed by satan because she just did like all in one take like this crazy guitar line and i was like how does your hand still work like <laughs> what the hell um and she she did that and then we kind of used that as a launching pad to like build around but we knew we wanted it to be slower just because there was there's something really kind of eerie about that song but also really repetitive 
and kind of fun. I don't know. That's we just wanted to like stretch it out a bit longer. So that's that's what we did. And Brandy added French horn, which makes it a little bit even more evil than we thought was possible. And her, she adds her opera also, which, you know, it's cool to hear this song with like different voices because the original had my sister on it and she was screaming. And then Brandy now is doing opera. So it's like, I don't know, it's for me, it's really interesting to to sing along with those other voices. I don't know, it brings out different parts of the song every time. And Sarah, who played drums, she did her drum take and then she left like she was like, oh, I left a little bit of groove at the end if you wanted to like edit any parts. And I had just been listening to the mix so many times with the break and then her drum loop coming back in that we were originally supposed to just cut out. But I just kept listening to it and being like, I don't know, I kind of like just leaving it this long. And when we were mastering, I asked Heba Kadri, who who mastered, I was like, should we cut the the drum when it comes back in at the end and she's like I don't know dude <laughs> I think you should leave it so there it stays that like extra drum loop that was really just supposed to be edited in to the song <laughs> earlier it just fades out at the end so so yeah so that's why this one's a, a fave of mine for sure that's awesome yeah all right here it is dream rats thanks so much Jasmine yeah thank you
Thanks for listening to the Joyful Noise Radio Hour.